On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichard and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we're joined by eight-year NFL vet Jeff Schwartz for a really fun interview. We talk a little bit of everything with Jeff, college football, NFL, Twitter trolls, and even why he built a pool during quarantine. Before we talk to Jeff, we break down the biggest story in local college football, Caleb Williams' commitment. Now we break it down in a fun and unique way you won't want to miss. Today's episode doesn't have any of our usual segments. We'll explain why here in a second, but please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, July 6th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichert and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. Full disclosure, we are recording this before the 4th of July. We, we don't want to lie to you. Uh, we're recording it before the holiday because, well, frankly, we wanted to be able to enjoy the entire weekend and enjoy it to its fullest. We didn't want to have to record on Sunday when we knew we'd be super hungover, Ted. It's self-awareness. We know what we're about. We didn't want to set ourselves up to put bad content out there, man. More Well, it may have been great content. More likely for me, what would have happened is uh, go way too hard on su- Saturday, uh, feel like death on Sunday, have to hair of the dog a little bit just to even function, and then, hey, it's still the weekend. Uh, one leads into another. And the next thing you know, it's like, hey, dude, aren't you supposed to have a podcast at eight? And I come in uh, off of like eight beers, well, just ready to go. Well, then I played this all wrong. <laughs> Dang it. That sounds incredible. <laughs> right. But the decision was already made. So we don't exactly know how our 4th of July weekends went. Uh, we've got a general idea. Any predictions? For the 4th of July weekend, for anything, Teddy, uh, anything at all? I've got a bit of a prediction. Right now, the University of Oklahoma is ranked 30th for their recruiting class, this, this upcoming recruiting class. My prediction is by the time we're listening to this thing post-4th of July, OU will be in the top 15 in their class. So you're saying 15 slots. So you're saying big time recruiting weekend for the Sooners time recruiting weekend is what I'm saying. A lot of fireworks. Now, would you like to make a prediction of how many beverages you may have consumed over the holiday weekend? When would you say the holiday weekend officially starts? Is it Thursday evening? I'd say third. Yeah, that's fair. Thursday evening. That seems fair, right? 
Because okay, no so. one, no one's working Friday, so Thursday evening is when okay. I think I think that's when the holiday weekend clock starts. Okay, hang on, just some quick. Carry the one, carry the two. Here. Uh, somewhere between forty-eight and fifty-four beverages. Forty-eight. That seems fair. That seems that that seems like a good solid <laughs> number. That's not too alarming, but is also very respectful you know that's kind as, of where as you long as as long as that's 48 to 54 not on the fourth of july that one day right as long <laughs> as you spread them out <laughs> now my prediction ted even though i am going to napa for the fourth of july my prediction is lots of will and wiley hard seltzer will be consumed guys Stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. I dare you to try the mango guava and say it's not incredible. Will and Wiley is the hard seltzer customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. When you're out in Napa, are you, so I don't know if you can buy it out there, so you may have to ship it or pack it in your bag. Are you going to pour some into a glass, swirl it, and say, once you try this nice 2020 Will and Wiley? That's exactly what I'm going to do. And full disclosure, I am checking some in a suitcase. It's already in the suitcase. Well, you should. Okay. Oh, yeah. You've already packed. That's the. You're, I'm a psycho. Remember, there. psycho planner already packed. I'm shocked you didn't FedEx like four cases of it out to wherever you're staying and have it's them. Not, it's not too late. Yeah. It's not too late. That's right. Now, That's good. Uh, we hope everyone made it back in one piece whether that's from the lake or from your crazy in-laws house or from a fun barbecue with family and friends, whatever you did. We hope you all had a great 4th of July weekend. Obviously, the big local college football news is all about the commitment of Caleb Williams. Now, remember, we don't know at the time we were recording this what happened with Caleb Williams. So we decided that we're going to give you guys a few different reactions right here. And you can just pay attention to the one that is accurate and ignore the other ones. But we thought this would be kind of a fun way to approach it. So, Ted, I want to start with our reaction. If the five-star number one player in the country, Caleb Williams, commits to Oklahoma on the 4th of July. Well, my first reaction is I cannot wait until the quarterback battle in the spring of 2021. That's going to be epic. And it would be, uh, what, two out of the last three, what do they call it, the Alpha Dog Award at the Elite 11 camp, the MVP of the Elite 11 camp. Um, So that's going to be fantastic. And I would say that if Caleb Williams commits to the University of Oklahoma, we are set up at quarterback here for a long, long time. And I would, even though I haven't seen, you know, just off of what I've seen so far, not a lot, I think Caleb Williams may have better tools 
than anyone that we've had play quarterback at Oklahoma in maybe ever. Kyler Murray would he, ever maybe he'd be is right behind a that. long time I mean, there, Ted. Ever size, athleticism, arm talent. He literally checks all of the boxes. I mean, Kyler Murray to me is about as good as it could ever be. But you know, he a, a little undersized, made made up for it obviously with speed. But Caleb Williams looks like he could be that good. Now, a lot of guys look like they could be that good before they actually go out there and suit it up and throw it around with the big boys. But I think it looks really, really promising. Now, where else was he going to go? I mean, if you were a quarterback, there's only one guy to play for, and that's Lincoln Riley. No, duh, he went to OU. Of course he committed to OU. Of course he's going to be a Sooner, (laughs) right? I mean, when you think about it, you just had Baker Mayfield go number one overall. Kyler Murray, number one overall. Lincoln Riley turned Jalen Hurts into a second-round draft pick. Just imagine the numbers that a guy like Caleb Williams is going to put up in a Lincoln Riley offense. It's going to be unbelievable. I know that people wish he would have committed sooner. It took him a little longer than OU fans probably wanted. But at the end of the day, this was the only choice. He wanted to play for the best. And there's no one in college football that is better at developing quarterbacks for professional football than Lincoln Riley. The proof is it's not in the pudding. It's in the bank accounts of the last three quarterbacks he's had. That's where the proof is. That's all the proof you need. Caleb Williams looked at LSU and said, yes, Joe Burrow, that's great. But, hey, Joe Brady – was gone. There'd been a big shakeup. They had had so many underclassmen leave. He looked at Maryland and went, oh my gosh, I can't wear Under Armour. There's no way. That would be terrible. I can't wear, can't wear Under Armour gear. That'll ruin my brand. <laughs> These uniforms are awful. But he's going to be a Sooner. Now they just got to hold on to him, right? Because it's not a done deal till that letter of intent is signed, but we all knew that he had been flirting with OU for a long time. It seemed like he'd been recruiting other guys for OU as well, and it's good to know he's finally committed. I like it. I, hey, I'm with you 100%. Here's the good thing is I feel like um, if he does, in fact, commit to Oklahoma. No, no, no. Then- Remember, we're doing it like he did. That's, that's the oh. thing. It's like he did commit. So, like, when they listen to it, you know, it'll be like, oh, yeah, they know he committed. You know oh, what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, good, because since he did commit to Oklahoma, there I you think go. I'm glad it was just like whenever Rattler did and a bunch of other guys followed suit and they all fell into place for this recruiting class. Yeah, and that goes back to your big prediction for them over Fourth of July weekend. Caleb Here Williams we bringing a bunch of guys with them. Now, Ted, let's make a lot of people mad, and hopefully this portion of the podcast is completely useless, but you never know. Now, let's break it down as if OU lost the recruiting battle for Caleb Williams. Speaking of losing, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs will help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatment for men and women. 
Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Nice. Fat burner injection. Sign me up. Let's go. Sign me up for two. Take a couple of uh, fat burner injections. Okay, so now let's pretend that Caleb Williams committed to LSU. I'll start, Ted. Bagman got to him. Bagman from LSU. We know how the SEC operates. I don't know how they got all the way up into the D.C. area with what's going on with the coronavirus, but they had some Bagman roll the dice and go drop off the cash. That's the only reason. I know they won the national championship last year. Who cares? Joe Burrow went number one overall. Who cares? He should have gone to OU. What is wrong with him? He's going to go to LSU, get buried on the depth chart. They had a guy redshirt last year that they love. They think is going to be a fantastic player. They already have a quarterback committed in his class. He's going to be in a battle that he doesn't want to be in. His life is going to be absolutely miserable in Baton Rouge. I don't know why he would make such a terrible decision for his future. How could he not go play for Lincoln Riley? What is wrong with this kid? What, what is he doing? Now, I get it. SEC West, Beth Division and all of college football, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, a lot of good players. I understand. But he's not going to get developed like he would have if he would have gone to Oklahoma. I think it's a mistake, Ted. He shouldn't have gone to LSU, should have gone to OU. Hey, you never know. He's committed. He's not signed. Things can change. It was a mistake. Um, it was upsetting. But it was still kind of funny that Caleb Williams committed to LSU thinking that Joe Brady was still there, <laughs> and he's not. What? <laughs> the, what a plot twist. The passing game. Sorry, Caleb, forgot to tell you. The passing game is gone. Went to the NFL. Joe Brady's not there. Uh, I know you were looking at uh, what happened with Burrow and the fact that uh, he's number one overall uh, quarterback taken in the draft and his numbers and the season that he put together, but the guy that orchestrated it is gone. So Gone. Never coming back. Sorry jokes on you. And – I was also sad to see that you were scared to compete with Spencer Rattler. Oh, you know, I, yeah, that's probably what it was. He went to LSU you know, because he he didn't want to. He didn't want those problems. He yeah, didn't. I know, I know he's seen Spencer Rattler's Instagram page and the behind the back passes and incredibly uh, intimidating, throwing all the way back across his body uh, to the other side of the end zone off one foot. I know you saw all those things and thought, man. That's really cool. I just – I don't think I can do that, too. So, um, yeah. all, of, all of that in a bag of cash, I guess, will send you to Louisiana State. Uh, it's, just, it's just how it works. <laughs> and seen. I, I feel like that one was pretty good. A little that bit better. Was, okay, bit and better. Let's, do, let's do one more. Let's cover all our bases. Uh, I think this one is irrelevant in this discussion. But just for fun, I wanted to do it. Uh, let's pretend like Caleb Williams committed to – we can't even keep straight face. Uh, let's pretend like Caleb Williams committed to Maryland, his hometown school. 
I guess, kind of. How far is that from DC? Not far. It can't be that far. Okay. Caleb Williams loves Under Armour. That's the only reason. I, I This is the only reason. I, I don't know if they gave him some of that plummeting stock or what. Did, did Under Armour pull those deals from Cal and UCLA just so they could give a bag of money to Caleb Williams? Is that what happened, Ted? I, well, I think Caleb thinks that he must look good in red, white, yellow, black, <laughs> green, orange. What other – is that all the colors? Or the the rainbow. Rainbow. Roy yeah. G. Biv. I'll tell you what was sad. You know, I, here I was. I saw Caleb Williams and saw how well he did at the Elite 11 and – all of these different, you know, videos and huddle film and just looked impressive. And it's sad because we'll never see him again. I mean, I have been covering football for a long time. And sadly, and maybe this says more about me than it does Caleb, I don't know one Maryland quarterback ever. Anyone listening, close your eyes. Unless you're driving, don't close your eyes. Keep those things open. I want you to think really hard of one Maryland football player from the 2019 season. Think of a name, any name. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No one cares about Maryland. Why would he go there? It doesn't make any sense. I get it close to home. I understand. I, you and I, we both stayed close to home. That was a big factor in it. I understand Mike Loxley, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a good coach. I think it's a high-octane offense. But he's never going to get the type of players. He may get some better players out of that D.C. area, but he's never going to get the type of players that Caleb Williams would have played with at Oklahoma or even, of course, at LSU. I, I don't know why he would do this, Ted. I think this is a bad decision for his future. Now, does it set him up? For a big time Under Armour deal down no. the line, if if the company still still no. exists, it it sets you up for a lucrative GA position at Maryland after you're done playing. Oh my That's gosh! Okay, all right. There's no doubt in my Did mind. Did we just take this hypothetical too far? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Sorry to all the GAs out there. You got to start somewhere. But here's the thing. I mean, you could be the greatest quarterback in Maryland history, which will result in nothing. I mean, that still gets you absolutely nowhere. Unless there's some great Maryland quarterback out there that I just can't remember or I'm glossing over. Um, Maryland, I'm sorry to all of our Maryland fans listening to the podcast. I know this podcast is number one in Maryland, but – Nobody will ever hear from Caleb Williams again. And seen. That <laughs> concludes. <laughs> that concludes by far the stupidest <laughs> thing we've ever done on this podcast. But like the rest of you, we wanted to enjoy the Fourth of July weekend to its fullest. So I'm going to have to issue a, a statement uh, apologizing to GAs, apologizing to Maryland. Apologizing to SEC bagmen. Uh, How dare you disrespect the SEC bagmen? What is wrong with you? Caleb Williams and all of his family. Yep. His entire family. But that was really stupid, but kind of fun. I hope that 
you guys enjoyed it. Now, something that I do think you're really going to enjoy is an interview we did with Jeff Schwartz. Now, he's an eight-year – he was he's retired now, but he was an eight-year NFL vet, played at Oregon. We talked college football, NFL. We talked to him about, you know, quarantine, building a pool, him riding the Peloton. I mean, it was a little bit of everything. This interview is pretty solid, and it's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools look to reopen in the fall, parents want to provide the best educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to the athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. All right. Remember, we are recording this several days before it runs. So it's the same for this interview. So if we don't mention something really important that has happened, especially if it's in college football or the NFL, oops, that's our bad. Sorry. All right. Here's Jeff Schwartz. It is our pleasure to be joined by an eight-year NFL veteran. You can hear him on SiriusXM Pac-12 Radio. You can also hear him on his podcast, Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You, which is one of the best titles in podcast <laughs> history. Just get it out of the way before you even start listening, right? Jeff we Schwartz. Talking about here. <laughs> Jeff Schwartz is in the house. What's up, man? Oh, not much. Um Look, the podcast title is awesome because it obviously draws your attention in and the goal is to make you a smart football fan. But the people that take offense to the podcast title, those are the people that I'm trying to actually offend. Like, those are the people that need to be offended by the title. And um, I love when people tweet me about it because they I, – I just – people look to be offended on social media. No surprise, obviously. If you're offended by the title of my podcast, you need to grow up. Like, come on, people. <laughs> Now, let's let's just start there. Now, we're going to get to football. We're going to get to college football. We're going to get the NFL. But you, you're one of my favorite Twitter follows. You can go follow Jeff at Jeff Schwartz. You can also follow him on Instagram. But you seem to be in a constant battle with Twitter trolls, like every single day. Like, what, what the fuck is going on there? Oh, it's a, it's a cussing podcast. Nice. Um, I, uh, I've actually been better at it. Like my radio host, Sean O'Connell, my Pac-12 show was like, dude, you gotta stop it. And so I, I tied out, but then COVID happened and we have no sports. Like I got kind of back into consuming Twitter via trolls. And then obviously I've been tweeting more about politics, which I hope to get away from, um, as sports come back, but there's not much to talk about right now. So, um, I try, I try to limit that. I've done a decent job, I think. I used to be way worse at it. But now I think about, I think about um, you know, what Sean told me, and I try to not engage. I, I, look, if you have under 100 followers, man, I'm probably just going to block you. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, just, I just stopped caring about – like, you know, there's, there's people that we know in the media that block a lot of people. Like, whatever, man. I, I, I got over that. I, I think people used to be like, oh, this guy blocks a, a ton of people. It depends how you do it, of course. Like, I don't mind – and I actually encourage – honest disagreements like I'm fine with you discussing back and forth but social media has rendered 
thoughtful conversations, completely useless. You can't have them. And so I've just even gotten to the point now where I just tweet something that just, I just immediately mute the conversation. Like I don't want to hit, see the replies. Like I want to get my thought out there. I made my thought very clear and I'm, I'm not telling you again how I feel. And so I just mute the conversation. Like it's just done, done. It's funny there. I, it doesn't matter what team you're a fan of, what sport you're a fan of, where you are politically, there are a million trolls out there waiting on you. It doesn't matter where you fall on any side of any topic. They're out there waiting to pounce at yes. any moment. Well, I, I, look, there's obviously actual, like, trolls. Like, you can tell, like, if they joined in, like, June of 2020, you're like, okay, that's a, a bot of some sort. But, you know, there are people wake up wanting to be offended, in my opinion. Like, like that's a, a cultural thing now. Where I want to wake up and get offended by things on Twitter. And I just don't. I, I just don't. Like, <laughs> I, I think um, that I can think for myself. And so I don't have to have a strong opinion on everything. But even if I do, I don't have to let everyone know about it, uh, which, I, which I do well. That's one thing that I, I wish we did less on social media is just commenting on everything. Like, you don't have to – like, I didn't comment on the Bubba Wallace story at all until kind of the end of it, until we finally saw the picture. And, and like, I just – what, what am I going to say? Like, so I just, you don't have to comment on everything too. Like this, this social media is a big driving force in our business, right? It's important to, to be on social media Harry. and get your thought out there, but it's increasingly becoming a complete cesspool. Like it's, it, it's a place that I don't want to spend a lot of time on, but I have to because of work. Yeah. I think Teddy feels very similarly to you when it comes to that. <laughs> okay, Jeff, let's start, let's start with college football and let's get this out of the way first you were part of the Oregon team in 2006 that cheated Oklahoma on the onside kick do you have any comments about that ordeal because I'm here to tell you buddy we've got a lot of OU OU fans that listen to this podcast and they are still mad about that you want to talk about offended uh you want to see some people really losing their minds talk talk to some OU fans about that game I know. I tweet about it. They're still very angry about it. I don't, and I just like, I mean, it, had, it was 2006, folks. Like, it happened. I mean, we still blocked the kick. But what's really interesting about, about that is, so where I was, where I was um, on the sidelines, I kind of had a view, direct view of the back of the onside kick of where Oklahoma was recovering it. And so the ball's kicked, and then Oklahoma recovered the ball. They, they recovered. I saw them recover it. And I walked back to the bench like, all right, well, game's over. We lost. And then they gave us the ball. So a couple of things here is that the Oklahoma receiver, the guy who, re- who caught the ball finally, ran off the field with the ball. Like, there was no ball. He was gone. He didn't show the referee. He did nothing. He just ran off the field. And so the refs did not see a ball. They had no idea who had the ball. And I think a ball was thrown in, like, the spot. And they just assumed that was the ball that was <laughs> the one. Like I, don't, like, I don't know. Like, they didn't get the no ball way. from like, go, go watch it, Gabe. Go watch it. The, the guy picks the ball up. It's on YouTube. I've watched it. The guy the, picks it up and runs off the field. He the, doesn't show the picture. The I think it's Alan Patrick, isn't it, yes. Ted? Yep. It's Alan Patrick, uh, who was a really good running back, great special teams player. He's holding the ball. There's this – it's like an iconic He's like picture. holding it next to the referee. <laughs> yeah, it's like an iconic picture for OU fans. I mean, if, if something bad happens, that will always come up. It's unbelievable. Right. And, and, like, the ref didn't see him with the ball, and then he just ran off the field with it. Like, he didn't, like there was no, like, there was no, like, hey, ref, like, here's the ball, ref. Like, here it is in my field. And then 
And then, of course, the ball was touched before 10 yards. Um, but, look, we still scored twice in about a minute, which was nice. And I actually – go watch – if you want to watch the highlights of that, I held C.J. Ayu, I think that's who it was, uh, the defensive end, really badly on the touchdown. And you could see I looked back at the referee like, oops. And, <laughs> Did he, uh, he see me? Throw, and he, he didn't throw the flag. But then also, I mean, and then, and then you guys were trying to kick off like 60 yards. And then that was the only kick Hartley missed all season, I think, was the one we blocked. Um, two loudest moments in history of Arthur Stadium that I was part of was that. And then we beat USC. I mean, it was so loud. It was like a uh, uh, – it was it, – it gets loud there. And then – but look, I, we put Oklahoma three times, three straight years. Uh, we went there in 04. You guys kicked the shit out of us. It was Adrian Peterson's first game as a freshman he played in. And he – we had like 220 against us. It was so, so hot. It was so September – Early September at like twelve Central time, it was so mm. hot. Um, I was a I was a, a, a freshman, true freshman. I dressed for the game. I didn't play in it, um, but I just remember being hot. And we had a lot of fans. We set a tennis record for that stadium uh, in that game. We brought ten thousand fans. I mean, we we scored like seven points. But um, I remember our offensive line coach said that you guys had the greatest set of linebackers you'd ever seen at that time. I love. You know what I love how offensive linemen, uh, Gabe, Jeff, all you guys, like some of the best moments of your career are stories about how horribly you held somebody. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> I got away with it. Linemen. It's like, oh, my God, you should have seen how bad I held him on that play. That's pretty It's, it's, pretty part, it's part of our – I mean, like, like I hooked him. Like he was trying to turn the corner. I kind of grabbed him. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's – we don't have much to – I mean, what am I going to say? Like I, I – took my three kick steps and I punched them one, two, and I stopped them. Like, that's boring. We were talking about, like, I almost held the guy. I got away with it. That's basically our life. Basically murdered him. They didn't call it. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah. That's all that matters. Now, when you look at, and I don't want to, I, we're having fun and I don't want to kill the vibe, Jeff, but just how do you feel about college football right now? Clearly a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I know you do Pac-12 today over there on SiriusXM, Pac-12 Radio. What's kind of the discussion about college football in general and then more specifically the Pac-12? Yeah, well, look, I'll start with this off the top. I think the NFL is playing. I think, Gabe, we all agree on this. Like, it's happening, whether anyone likes it or not. They've already set a training camp date. Like, they're going forward. Um, they're adult. It's easier to kind of say, like, we understand the risk of going back. We're getting paid. We're, we're going to go play. Um, it's also 32 teams. Not, it's not 130, right, that, that, that have to play in college football. Um, I'm still hopeful college football starts on time. I think July 15th is kind of that ramp-up date where they're allowing coaches to get to the kids earlier than usual. And what's very interesting is that out west, you know, Arizona's kind of a dumpster fire right now. They rolled back a little bit of what they had open, but they're still kind of in like the quote-unquote phase two, right? Restaurants are open. Um, there's some things that are, you know, retail's open. They just don't allow nightclubs and bars and uh, their their um, uh, athletic director is trying to figure out if they're allowed to have students on campus. But for the most part, Gabe, the Pac-12 schools that have players on campus, and there's only, I think, six, six or eight of them have uh, – the California schools aren't back yet. Um, they have very minimal positive tests. Uh, I think Oregon State has two out of 83 guys. Colorado had a couple of them. Utah has a couple. Oregon has zero so far. Um, but these are states that are requiring more restrictions, right? You wear your mask outside. Keep away from everybody. Like, they're doing a good job of the physical distancing that we're not seeing happening in other parts of the country. And everyone bashed the West Coast for being very restrictive in March, 
and it might actually pay off. We might have football out West because our players aren't very sick. Um, and again, I mean, it's important distinctions here, you know, sick, I hate using that word because a lot of players have been asymptomatic, right? They have not been actually very sick. They've had COVID. And I'm not worried so much about the players. I'm worried about the coaches game. Like I'm worried about the older coaches, the older support staff, the equipment guys. Look, the players so far have been asymptomatic. The numbers show, the data shows that, that, that 18 and 22-year-olds are not going to be uh, drastically affected from COVID-19, even if they get it. Now, they could pass on, of course, which is, which is, the, which is the issue. But them personally – they should be fine. So I think we're going to have a season. I think it'll start on time. Um, I, I do. I do worry that there's no guidelines from the top. Like that, like that NCAA is sitting this one out. Um, each conference is kind of coming up with guidelines. We talked to the Oregon State athletic director on our show. It'll be on, um, I believe, today, and um, he mentioned that like it's a kind of a concern that. Do you want to play another school or conference that's not doing the same testing guidelines that you are? Like, do, do, you, do you want to go somewhere and play a road game against a team that you know is not testing it the way you are or in that or in that stadium or whatever it is? Like, I'm not sure that they want to do that. But the number one reason why we're playing football is money. It's money, right? Athletic departments derive 75 85% of their operating budget off of football. And – there's going to be fans, in my opinion. It might just be season ticket holders where, you know, you, you just go with your family. No, no students, absolutely not, because we've seen bars have been the number one place to spread COVID. I, I just do not think that we'll have students in the stands, and they'll get by best as possible. Um, there's a lot of money riding on this. It's not just football. It's not just athletic department. I mean, we saw a report, you know, Tuscaloosa, the city, gets $2 billion of revenue in the city during Alabama home football games. I'm sure Norman's the same way. Norman's a college campus. It's a college city. Like, there's probably a ton of money that comes into that city for the six or seven home games per season. So there's a lot of money involved here, and that's driving, I think, a lot of the decisions. Here's what I think is, is kind of interesting. Love to get your, your thoughts and your take on it. You know, for instance, University of Oklahoma has some, some really strict – uh, protocol as to the yeah. the day-to-day process that a player goes through um, as of right now whenever you're you're going to to off-season workouts they're only limited to 10 guys per workout session there's social distancing during the workouts um, you cannot hang out in the locker room or in the locker room lounge or even in the training room for this appointment only um, you know if you're getting stuff rehab or treatment for injuries so they're going through painstaking efforts to keep all the guys away from each other Uh, all meetings are done via zoom and stuff like that so there's going to be a point here where we got to practice football yes where you can no longer socially distance if you're going to play football you're going to be in each other's space you're going to be breathing sweating spitting drooling all over each other yes and what are they going to do if they have a positive test at that point, because right now the protocol for, for most people for a positive test is they go into quarantine yep. and they find the people that you've been immediately in contact with. And those people now separate. If you have a positive test during training camp, that group of people that you have yeah. close contact with is everybody. So what do you think happens in, in that case? That's a, that's a great example. Um, I'm hopeful that a test is developed, and I know people are working on saliva tests that, that can detect COVID much quicker than a regular test can. 
And if that's the case, you can, you know, theoretically test every player every morning as they walk in the building. Hey, you know, does he have it? Does he not have it? If he doesn't, obviously, then they can just continue practice as usual. I, 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 I think it's good for now to have as many of these guidelines in place to, to keep the athletes protected. But to your point, at some point you have to strip them away. But I think that the schools are rightfully waiting to the last minute to do so. And once they do that, it's full steam ahead, in my opinion. I, I, I just do not think that once the, the, the boat starts, the ship starts, it's turning around. Unless states just close down, you know, like we saw in March, which I, I just – I have a hard time believing we're ever going back to that point in America. I feel like we tried it. We sort of tried it, honestly. It didn't work. Um, and we're open back up again, to, you know, to some degree. And that's how we're going to be from now until we get either a vaccine or, or this um, – doesn't seem like it's going away, but goes away to, 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 to some extent. So I think the best answer is we're just going to do it when, it when it's time to do it. And when it's time to do it, um, we're going to pull the Band-Aid. Because I agree with you, like, you can't just do these, you know, these, these mixed practices they're talking about doing and random practice. You can't. And um, when it's time to go, I think it's time to go. And I'm hoping that we have better testing when that time is. You mentioned, you know, the Pac-12 or the West Coast, you know, feels pretty good about where they are maybe compared to some area, other areas of the country, Jeff. Do you think there's any way – and we saw kind of what the Ivy League – talked about you know just playing each other do you think it could come to that maybe in the Pac-12 well I think that's gonna have to be a decision made all over college football I mean the Pac-12 is not going to cancel their you know Oregon Ohio State week two I mean I can't see Oregon being like ah yeah we're not going to play that game I mean as much as as much as I think that 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 game should be moved because I feel like it's unfair for Ohio State to come to Oregon with no fans I mean like that's the big thing at Oregon is, is our fans and how loud it is I, I that's and then we have to go to Columbus next year in front of 100,000 fans feels like they get the better end of this um uh so I just you know USC Alabama's week one in Dallas um Michigan Washington is in, is week one in, in in Seattle I believe um so these games have got to be played in my opinion and so if if, if they determine to push a season and maybe that everyone you know but also too like you know, the SEC plays eight conference games. The Pac-12 plays nine. I believe you guys play nine as well. Um, like, that's not fair. So, they get one less game? Like, how does that work? I just think that the best way to do is just play until you obviously can't play anymore. Um, I've always felt the South has just not cared, and they're going to play anyways, which it definitely feels that way. I mean, Clemson, with as many players as they have, pause, whatever. I mean, it just, just that, again, I just want to make this point. I think it's important. And I'm very aware of, of COVID. My wife's a nurse. Like, I get it. But, you know, 37 players, and they're all asymptomatic, right? Like, they're not actually feeling that sick. Now, we don't know the long-term effects of COVID. I get that. But um, this is why we're continuing to play is because players are not getting that sick. Now, if coaches were to get sick or there were players sick, maybe we'd reevaluate our position on that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's – I can't imagine a situation where, you know, you've got eight guys, nine guys on one week happen to test positive. They're all sitting there asymptomatic. and you know, and, and this is even one of those things where I, I know they pass it on, but the way a virus works is we're all eventually going to get this thing at some point, right? It doesn't stop. It's never going to go away. We can slow it way down, but yeah. we can't eliminate it. So my question is, uh, whenever they do start the training camp, whenever they do start yeah. full-on practices, 
are we going to see teams stop testing and only test for guys that are symptomatic? Um, I, I think because that would be – The reason I ask is I know some of the – in Oklahoma, we've got a bunch – everyone does, yeah, but yeah. we've got a bunch of different schools, like Division two, two NAIA schools, and those schools are not testing guys. They're only testing guys if they're sick and they're, they, they start to show symptoms. They're not testing all every single player every week or every time they walk in the door. So it's going to happen at different levels. Yeah, and this is what I was talking about with what Scott Barnes, the, the organization athletic director, said. He goes like, you know, if we're doing strict testing or playing someone who's not, that kind of opens us up to more players testing positive, right? Is that we, if we can't trust someone else. I, I, I just think that the – I know this is – I hate that this is like a political thing to say, but like – tracing the virus and testing is supremely important to figuring out how this virus gets transmitted. Like that's why we are testing is to figure out how it moves, where it moves, who has it, who doesn't have it, who is it affect. And I think it'd be foolish if, if they did not test for it because that's the way we can figure out where this is going. And because if you, if you wait, let's say that you, that you, you a player comes in Monday in the facility and they have coronavirus, you don't test them. The, the numbers show that you're affecting two or three people. And they're affecting two or three people. And they're affecting two or three people. And by Friday, if you've not tested, how many guys might have coronavirus now? Like, you have to keep testing. Carry and, the one. And, and, yeah, and that's too much math for me. That's <laughs> a but, lot of math. But, like, yeah, yeah, well, like, if you want to know, that, that is a very easy study to just look at Clemson. And <laughs> yeah. that's, that's right. exactly what they're doing. And they're trying to get it over with, I guess. Like, so, like, that's the thing is, like, that's why I think testing is important. And we have to be willing as fans, I know I am, to just withstand that there's going to be guys testing positive. And there might be a week where Oklahoma's offensive line can't play that week. And guess what? You just forfeit the game. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you just don't play that game. Right? It's just like there's, there's no other way to approach it, in my opinion. Like, that, it's just going to be, have to be that way for a team maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but I think all three of us agree college football is going to get played. We'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out. But – Jeff, wanted to talk a little NFL with you yeah. for sure. You mentioned training camps starting July 28th. I do not anticipate that being pushed back ever. No. It's just a business, man. The NFL is a different animal, right? Yeah, I mean, the NFL is going to be played. It's going to be played on time. Uh, the, if there was one league that I trust to play, it's the NFL. They've, I've always been of the opinion that the NFL is going to be back. But here's the number one reason why I'm hoping it's back. I mean, besides the obvious of, you know, it's my job. I hope I have a job. I like watching football, is that when we locked down in March, I looked at the NFL season starting September 10th, and really the first weekend is, is that 13th, September 13th, as seven months away from, when, you know, from where we locked down. And if we weren't playing football by then, we were in a bad place in our country, right? Like, I mean, like, if we can't figure out seven months how to play football, then we have not flattened the curve. We haven't beaten the virus. We're never going to beat it, but we, we haven't contained it enough. We haven't done what we had to do as Americans to play football. And so I, I'm rooting for football to be back for that reason. And then it makes me feel like we're getting some normalcy back in our lives. Um, and I think the NFL will always provide that for us. I think they'll find a way to do it. There's so much money involved in playing. And I think – and maybe, Gabe, you can speak on this too. Like, I, don't, I don't think NFL players care. Like, I think that they're personally not worried about the risk of playing. Now, they might worry about giving it to a family member or passing on to, you know, a coach. I mean, like, I worry about Andy Reid, for example, uh, who's not in the best, best health, right? Like, that, that, that would kind of worry me. Um, 
you know, some, some of these coaches, they, they just are not in the best of health. Um, but otherwise, like, I, I, I think NFL players just play. I don't know how much they really care. I mean, I think they care far less than NBA players or MLB players who are some of you. Some are just not going to the bubble. I agree. And here's the thing about the NFL. If they a team has, you know, five, ten guys that say, you know what, I just don't think the risk is worth it. They'll have a line of people wrapped around the block uh, ready yes. to go in there and play. Hell, it doesn't me matter. and Jeff and Jeff, all three of us may <laughs> come out of retirement we'll, we'll trying to get up. that game check. Exactly yeah, we'll, we'll right. Up. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, there's, there's going to be uh, plenty of willing and able bodies uh, that are going to be ready to go. Uh, here's the one thing that I think is really – and this is both college football and NFL. Um, I, I know – that teams skirt the rules on things. I know that they have, um, you know, ways of getting around stuff. My question is, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs or Baltimore Ravens, whoever, and your quarterback is standing there, he's tested positive, he's asymptomatic, he's saying, Coach, I mean, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm completely fine. I don't feel anything. You think there's any way that teams will suppress that data? Yes. I, I, yeah, I, I thought about <laughs> That's this. what like, I'm absolutely. saying. I mean, and I like, think it's the same thing at college. You know, like, like let's, say, um, let's say that, you know, you test players like the Saturday before the Super Bowl, let's say, and Pat Mahomes tested positive for COVID. They won't release that till Monday. Like, like you know, like, they'll, like and, and that's – Bury it. I, I think it's – like, I think it's different in the NFL than college football because NFL, look, you're professionals, okay? Like, you're pros. You can, you can decide, I guess, I'm not going to share the information, right? Like, I don't want that to be out. I feel different for college football players because they don't have the same kind of rights that NFL players do because they're amateurs. And so it feels, like, really grimy for, NFL, for a college football coach to do that. For the NFL, it's like, all right, like, we get it. We're, we're, eh, right? Like, but I would feel weird if, if that happened on the college side, I, I don't know why I make that distinction. It just feels different if that were to happen, um, you know, with Lincoln Riley doing it rather than Mike McCarthy. Yeah, there's no doubt. If, if anyone's going to do it, it's the Patriots, Teddy. So, Jeff, now, Teddy. I could, now, let's be honest. If it was the Patriots, I could understand that there may be a misunderstanding. Some samples <laughs> got mis mixed up, but they would never do anything intentionally. Of course that, not. That does not sound like them at all. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeff, Teddy is somehow, even though he's from Oklahoma, is a Patriots fan. Well, what did you think about Cam Newton to the Pats? I, I like it. Um, you Cam want a place to start, and this is a place to start. Uh, Bill Belichick got a starting quarterback for next to nothing. Um, the reason I like it is I think they both have um, – the same goal in mind. That's basically give a middle finger to the NFL this season, right? Cam Newton wants to prove he's healthy and can play, and Bill wants to prove he can win without Tom Brady. It's a one-year deal. Do their personalities align? Nope. But Bill Belichick's made it work for many years, bringing in players for short-term contracts. So I like it, and he's better than Jared Stidham. He's better than Brian Hoyer. Remember, 2018, the first eight games when Cam was healthy, he was a really good football player. 65%. He completed 68% of passes, but I think yeah, I saw someone tweet me like, his expected completion percentage was 65%. Like, I mean, I don't know how much listeners care about stuff like that, but he had a good season. He was playing well until he got hurt. Um, I like it. They can do some creative things with him. Um, and it's, uh, it works out well for both parties.
I feel like the first thing that comes to mind is Al Pacino and Jamie Foxx in any given Sunday. Uh, like these two, <laughs> these two guys do not mix very well, but hopefully it turns into a good situation. What's anyone else out there caught your eye? I mean, uh, we had some stuff happen in, in free agency. I, you know, I don't know anything like, I guess, Tom Brady to Tampa. Yeah. All of a sudden, you look at that, and, you know, at first it's like, I don't know. But then whenever you start saying, okay, he's got Gronk, he's got yeah. Evans, he's got all of these different guys out there, it's like, okay, well, maybe there is something there with Tampa. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing with, with Tom is you have to understand, is it is it um, – you know, how much last year was him physically versus how much was him um, – just not trusting his guys. I think it's a combination of both. I mean, there were plenty of times when guys were open and Tom would just look at Julian Edelman instead. Uh, there were plenty of times where guys – I, I wrote about it after they lost to Tennessee. I mean, you could – it's very easy for a play caller to get um, out of their rhythm because they don't have confidence in your team. And if you watch, like, the, the, the Titans game, the, the, the playoff game, I mean, it was like drop pass and the left guard screwed up and Tom Brady made a mistake. And then – the right tackle screwed up. And then they, the wide receiver ran, ran the wrong route. And it just kind of snowballs. So I think Tom Brady now will feel rejuvenated in a new offense with all the weapons he has. He's got a ton of weapons. There are obviously the, the, uh, the two tight ends, the three wide receivers. Um, yeah, they, they to me seem like um, a, a team that should be good in the NFC. I mean, look, the, the, the thing that I like about the top teams in a lot of these conferences, is they, they've continued to try to get better, right? The Ravens didn't, didn't stand – didn't stand pat, right? They, they went and got Calais Campbell, drafted a running back that fits what their offense wants to do. The Chiefs pretty much stuck pat because they have a Super Bowl team and they're really talented. Um, AFC is really, is really top load. You know, the NFC is, I think, in my opinion, kind of wide open. I mean, I, I don't – I mean, Tampa maybe. I think Philly could be good. Uh, Atlanta's super talented. The Cowboys possibly uh, as well. I mean, the Packers went to the NFC Championship game last year. I mean, there's a lot of teams. The Seahawks are always going to be good. Arizona's a, a sneaky team, man. Arizona um, played well on offense last year. They added a DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins as well. Um, they, they could be sneaky good this year. Tough division for, for you know, for them, um, but could be, could be sneaky good. I'll, I'll tell you one, one last thing real quick, Gabe, about Tampa. And I, I think this is kind of a, a fascinating, like, just mentally or, or for whatever reason, the way it unfolds like this, you take a group of guys – that don't think they're any good and don't think they have a chance and don't really believe in their leader, pluck one person out, put another person in who, you know, has a great background, has done a ton of winning, and all of a sudden an entire locker room says, yeah. okay, we're going to go do something this year. We're going to go uh, try and win a championship. And just that mindset, you know, completely flips a, a room full of 53 guys that are kind of all in it for themselves and trying to position themselves from the next contract to where all of a sudden it's like, there's a, there's a team atmosphere there and everyone wants to win. And you've seen that with the way yeah. they've done some of these workouts that Tom's put together for everyone. It's a great point. I just wonder if the weird offseason takes you know, longer time to gel with the offense just because it's a new offense and new wide receivers and weird, there'll be a weird training camp most likely. Uh, tough division, though. Saints, are, Saints have got to win, like, soon. Um, Falcons are supremely talented. The Panthers are, are you know, not going to really be – uh, be great this year, but uh, I'm excited to watch. I mean, what it's uh, what's it, Brady, uh, Brady Breeze week one, and it's the first game, so uh, I can't wait to watch this season. Now, Jeff, 
one quarterback that you and your boy Colin Cowherd have been rather critical of is Baker Mayfield. There are a few Baker Mayfield fans that listen to this podcast. Under Stefanski, year one, what are you anticipating for the Browns? What are you anticipating for Mayfield? Well, I was completely right about Mayfield last year. So if that's your way of saying good, good for you, Jeff Schwartz, I appreciate, I appreciate that. I mean, look, my whole thing was that um, you, I don't think he was prepared mentally. I just think, I think he did too much last offseason. Too many, too many profiles, too many ads. The NFL has an amazing way of humbling people. It really does. Uh, and when you think you've arrived and you haven't, it will make sure you haven't arrived. And so I think if you listen to him this talk this offseason – He's very he's laid low. Now you kind of have to, but even before then, he's laid low, putting in the work. I think he'll have a much better season this year. Uh, Stefanski's offense will fit him probably better. A lot of play action pass, a lot of simple things to do. You know, think like you know Kirk Cousins, um, you know Jimmy G. Like that's the offense they're running. A lot of a lot of running the ball, a lot of play action pass. Get the ball out of his hands, taking shots, using weapons. So I think Baker will be much better this season, um, and I actually have hope that he can do it. Now, I, do I think he's going to be a superstar in the NFL? Probably not. There are not many of them, honestly. But he can win you a lot of football games. And they're a very talented team. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how they do this year. Here's the one thing about Baker. I think he's a – he feeds off confidence. You know, he, he feeds off that, that cockiness, that swagger a little bit. And if that's not there, I'm, I'm, part of me wonders how effective he's going to be. The other thing is this, guys – and, and you guys know this, whenever you're in the NFL and you get drafted somewhere and the coach that drafted you is gone, right. the GM that drafted you is gone, all the people that brought you in that vouched for you are all gone, and there's a new coaching staff in there that wants their guys, they want to bring in their people. I mean, I just wonder, number one, how's he going to react to that? What's his confidence level going to be like? And number two, with Case Keenum there, I think Case Keenum, and this is the type of offense that he's kind of perfect for, right? Just kind of manage things yeah. here and there. I, I wonder, since all those things have happened, how short the leash is going to be for Baker? Well, this is his prove-it year, and you're exactly right. New coach, new GM, I mean, they want their own guys, and, and they're going to give Baker exactly one year to figure it out. Um, and – that's it. And then, and then they just won't pick up his option. Look, rookie quarterback contracts now are very affordable compared to when I came in the NFL when they were, you know, $70 million to, to Sam Bradford guaranteed. Uh, they can have this in, in a year or two uh, after year four if they wanted to. And so here's a short leash. I want to talk about the emotional thing you mentioned because I think it's fine to play with some emotion, but quarterback, you have to kind of be even keel, right? Like if you look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL, they're just even, right? Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes. Now, yes, they, they get fired up. They get excited. But for the most part, man, good or bad, they're just kind of right here. They're just kind of even keel, right? And Baker at times feels like he gets way up and way down, way up and way down, way up and way down. Just even, man. And it's okay to get excited if things go well. Totally okay for that. I'm, I'm not saying you have to be a mute the entire game. But I do think that saying, like, he plays with emotion, sure, at, at any other position, fine. I think quarterback especially, you have to learn to just go with the flow. Can you learn that? Even keel. Uh, it's tough because I think to your point, he's – and it's interesting about, you know, he considers himself an underdog, which is kind of 
funny because he was the Heisman winner and the number one pick in the draft. Like, you <laughs> might want to drop that. Like, that's like not who you are anymore. Like, you are not underdog. Um, and it made sense to have that attitude, you know, early in your college career as you're kind of floating around there. But you won the Heisman, buddy, and you're number one pick in the draft. Like, you can drop that, like, underdog thing you're doing, and you can still be cocky. I want you to be cocky. I want, your, I want players to feel like they're good. <laughs> I like that. But – like, you don't have to do this underdog thing anymore. Like, that's not who you are anymore. Um, and just mature as a quarterback. Grow up a little bit. And I think, I think last year he was humbled. I truly do think that. Because um, the NFL has the most amazing ability of any sport out there to humble you when you think you've arrived before you have. Now, Jeff, clearly your main focus during the year is football. But you are a big baseball guy. Yeah, big yes. Giants fan, right? I am. Yeah, we so, suck. Yes. <laughs> are you excited or not excited? The sixty-game season, like it, it seems like it could be a lot of fun. At this point in my baseball rooting experience, I am just solely rooting against the Dodgers. So any to any way this hurts the Dodgers, I'm all for it. The Giants are going to suck. We're not making the playoffs. I mean, we might win twelve games. So be it. Um, I'm excited for sports to be back. Like, I'm excited. Like Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, is like, look, there's risks. We, we got to play. We got to figure out a way to do it. And I'm glad baseball figured it out. So I'm excited to watch. I'll watch the first pitch. They haven't even put a schedule out yet. I hope they do that soon. And um, I'll be ready to gamble on it as well, which uh, doesn't go very well. It's kind of the same baseball thing. With, is brutal. I mean, baseball and NBA, uh, here's the one thing we know college football with a bunch of quote amateur athletes is not going to be the first thing to play a game. So we need major league baseball and NBA back out there and, and playing some, some actual games, real games. NBA is happening. The, the schedule set, they're doing it. So July 30th, they'll be back. Now you've developed some new hobbies during the quarantine. Uh, you've put out a lot of Peloton videos Oh, yeah. And you guys, you also built a pool out of nowhere. Yeah. It just all of a sudden, well, I saw it on your well, Instagram. It was just there. You had a pool. So what's been more fun, Peloton or the pool? Well, the pool was, was, was scheduled before COVID. It just happened to have – like, we, we got it done before this happened. Um, we actually dug the hole for the pool like two days before the market crashed. And when the market crashed, I joked in February with my builder. was like, can we put the dirt back in, please? Like, can we wait <laughs> – <laughs> can we wait to do this? Um, uh, the pool's been great. I mean, even like this afternoon, just getting in there with the kids for an hour or so. And it's not even heated yet. We just got water, um, I don't know, uh, 20-ish days ago. Um, and another week or so, and they're going to salt it up. And, um, and you know, we're, we're going to heat it and do it. It's just not heated right now, but it's so hot in Charlotte that we haven't really needed it. So it's been great. I would say that um, the Peloton is a ton of fun because – it's competition, man. Like it gives you something to compete, someone to compete against. I love it. I would say that the Peloton's been more fun, and I mean, I enjoy the pool, obviously. But like the Peloton has been great for me. I, I really, I'm glad we had it during. COVID. We didn't, if I didn't have the Peloton during COVID, I don't know what I would have done for working out. What was it, Gabe? Didn't didn't your wife get you some special towel or something? Because you uh, the, have the spin dis- towel. Yeah, it goes down. over the handlebars. Like, it fits it. It's, like, custom for the Peloton. It's pretty sweet because Are I'm as disgusting as Gabe whenever sweaty, you do sweaty. it? Sweaty, sweaty. Oh, Jeff sweats so bad. Well, so here's what I do, guys. So because I'm so tall, 
um, and I have a little back thing. I, I want to keep my back as upright as possible when I ride the bike. So I actually take six bath towels, fold them in half, and I put them on the handlebars. So the handlebars are raised up. So I just can pull my arms out like on the handlebars and not have to have that kind of like that hunch in your back, right? That's not really good for, for my back. So um, I do that, which is helpful. And then I always work out with like a hoodie on. So the hoodie captures all the sweat. And so I'm not, now my wife hates my hoodies that I wear and she thinks they're disgusting. And she often looks at me disgust when I get off them just like drenched in sweat, but I want to sweat. Like I know people always say when I say that, well, that doesn't help you work out better. I mean, I, I don't really care. I, I like to sweat when I work out. Like I think that's, it just, I work out better. It makes me feel good. So I wear, I wear long pants and a hoodie when I ride the Peloton. I do the exact same thing. And you would laugh at me if you saw me, Jeff, because I, I've, I've slimmed down a little bit, but I still wear all my, all my 3X stuff from the NFL teams. So I'm on there and I just have all these, I just have baggy sweats on. I look like a I complete idiot. That's fantastic. Yeah, I still got, yeah, I'm wearing hoodies and long, long pants and uh, racing PFT. Have you been beating him? Yeah. Nice. He beat me one, he beat me one time. He, he's, I think his bike's not calibrated right. I'm not going to lie. You think he's juicing? <laughs> Well, he he he's improved like way too fast. Like he like he jumped like forty in like a weekend in a week I should say he jumped like forty fifty points in a PR. That's not normal. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, have you launched some sort of? I feel like there should be some sort of investigation. No, that, no. This seems fishy. I mean, since he beat me, he also the time he beat me too. I had we had the same resistance, but I had a higher cadence average by one by one. Like he was like sixty six, I was sixty seven. I don't, so I don't know how he beat me. Um, but look, I let him have that. I also shouldn't be – I mean, I'm beating a, a podcaster. Now, PFT is a great podcaster. Don't get like me wrong. The number one to, podcaster on I, the planet. I, I, I listen to their podcast every time it, it drops. Like, I like – PFT is a brilliant guy. But, like, let's be honest. Like, I'm not like, – it's not like I'm beating, like, like a world-class athlete. I, I don't, should, I be, should I be ashamed that I'm trying to beat PFT every week? I mean, shouldn't I like chase like Booger or Cole Kublik or try to beat you? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like a little bit that's my life set right now. I don't know. I should be yeah, I, about that. I'll jump in. I'll jump in the Buns of Anarchy stuff on Saturdays. It's fun. Anarchy. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. Why not? All right. You can hear him on Pac-12 today on SiriusXM channel 373. Go download and subscribe to Jeff Swartz is Smarter Than You. You can find that on all the major podcast platforms. Go follow the man on Twitter and Instagram at Jeff Schwartz. He spells it G-off, just, just, so, just so you know. Really appreciate the time, Jeff. It was good to see you, man. Yeah, same here, man. Thank you for having me on. Take care, everybody. All right, thanks to Jeff Schwartz for joining us. A lot to unpack there, Ted. That that guy has a lot to say. No, he does. Uh, that was fantastic. I, you know, I agree with him on a bunch of things, specifically that college football is going to be played. There's so much money on the line. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes, see if the NFL can get things started off and, and these training camps go okay. So, but yeah, uh, really good stuff from there. And I'm, I, what I see is a duel between you two, one-on-one on the Peloton, coming up soon. I will smoke that fool. <laughs> I, no offense to Jeff, but I'm a better athlete than Jeff. Now, 
And I got more power than him. He's Jeff had a long career, eight years, but he also had a lot of injuries, a lot. He's, he's so I feel like my body's some, in uh, some serious trouble there. I, I got you. Yeah, like you that. heard him talk about stacking up the towels. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> you can't stack towels and win a Peloton race. You can't. You can't do that. I can't lose to a guy stacking towels. I can't. <laughs> I won't allow myself. My wife will divorce me if that happens. <laughs> All right, Ted. Episode twenty-two in the books. We'll have a new podcast with the normal format that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time